This episode of Meet the Creatives is brought to you by KEH Camera. They've been in business for 40 years and they are the world's largest buyer and seller of used camera gear. They have everything a photographer needs to start their kit, bodies, lenses, filters, batteries, bags, memory cards, tripods, new accessories, you name it, they got it. Uh, their website is easy to use. They have a great phone customer service team. All of the people on the phone team have been there for more than 10 years. They know exactly what they're talking about and they can answer all your questions. They stand behind all their sales, 14-day return policy, 180-day standard warranty, with the largest and broadest inventory of used gear in the world with over 55,000 items and the largest collection of film gear in the world. These guys are crushing it, and I'm happy to be partnering with them. They're opening up a new retail store in Atlanta, Georgia, in the very near future, where you can go and uh, see all the gear in person and talk to real people. So. They clean, inspect, and repair everything themselves in-house with certified technicians, and they make sure they get it right every time. KEH has got your back, and it's a great way to start your creative journey. So go to KEH.com, uh, and it's going to be a great season with KEH as a partner. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am here with Joanne Chan, CEO at one of my favorite agencies. I want to say this on the record. I love Turner Duckworth. You can go on my Pinterest board from when I was in school. I have a whole bunch of pins from Turner Duckworth. I love your uh, Coca-Cola work, the Burger King stuff. I literally started, I switched from drinking Bud Light to Miller Light because I love the can so much. <laughs> I love that throwback That's hand. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, and I, I know that I'm one of a, a lot of people who did that. So uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Rob. Thrilled to have you on. For those of you who are students listening to this, that's kind of who this is for in some ways, or you know, people just entering, and you're looking to get into branding and identity and packaging, pause this podcast, come back, and go to turnerduckworth.com, and that is what great design looks like. Okay, that's Thank good. You. So on the website, now that people are back from the website, okay. and I love this quote here, it reads, we have always championed the unmistakable and defiance of the normal and the predictable. This obsession inspires our guiding principle, love the unmistakable, which I think is so cool. So when you guys are creating these unmistakable brands, I would imagine that design plays a huge role in this. How so? Simple design is confident and it works at a glance when it's reduced down to a small size, but design can't just be made small. It needs to have a high level of potency and it needs to be scroll stopping. So we talk about design as not being minimal, but needing to be maximal. So we do a lot with a little, with work that is simple and playful and inherently social. And the key to uh, design social power is being photogenic these days. And we feel that being photogenic is emerging as the number one metric. So one of the things that we're doing in our conversations, especially with um, CPG clients, is moving from valuing shelf life to valuing social life. And we're talking to brands about needing to design for the analog world and create experiential moments like the, you've probably seen in the media recently because of our work on McDonald's, they've been using the shot of a woman running upstairs, but it's like fries, fry stairs. So the stairs have been painted yellow. Right. So that's really exciting when you can see people in the world, into, you know, uh, 
kind of engaging with the brand in real life moments and they're doing it and of course they're photographing themselves, hence needing to be more photogenic and creating these real analog moments that where people can love the brand. Um, because people don't love digital design, they love experiences. Right. And so that's that's the that's a conversation that we're having more and more with, with clients. And we're talking about it as the rise of design in a pocket-sized world. So your work is simple, playful, and inherently social. How do you cut through all the noise and bring the brands to the top of mind across media and culture? Sure, yeah, that's a good question. So, so the first thing we do is we work very hard to understand what are the key brand assets and distill them down to a very simple, small kit of parts. Um, so th this toolkit is the core brand assets that should be evergreen. They should never change. If we, don't, if we do our job right, our clients don't need to come back to us to have them redesigned, right? But then we also design, for McDonald's, we're calling it a gallery of activations. So we have a digital hub that's not open to the public. It's only for people at McDonald's. But on this digital hub, there is a gallery where we are curating the best-in-class brand examples, what we call activations, that show the brand out in the world. So we've designed some of them, but then by briefing all agencies around the world and all the different regions where McDonald's plays, we then get touch points back from, from those regions and we help curate a gallery with lots of activations from the fry stairs that you've seen in the media to really a really smart out of home, you know, PowerPoint templates, that there are so many different things that the brand touches. So, but your question on how do we decide what touch points we design, we do that with the client. So we need to understand from the client, where do they touch their consumers the most? And, and at what points is it most kind of key for that point of sale, for that interaction? And then we make sure we hit those core activations. But then we ask the client for a little bit of room for us to come up with other activations that come out of ideas that we have. So I'll give you an example. So McDonald's, the, one of the core design tenets that we came up with is the idea of flossom. So it's coming out of putting together flaws because burgers are inherently messy. Ketchup on a fry, it's messy, it's never perfect. So coming up with, with that word, flaw plus awesome is flossom, and it's celebrating those messy moments, those messy, ugly moments, right? Right. And so out of that, for example, we realized, you know what's really messy? Sesame seeds on the buns. They fall off. And so we came up with all these activations, including swag, like sweatshirts, pajama bottoms, like hats. Um, I want that shirt, bags. Joanne. I want that shirt. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if somebody if somebody mocked that up or if that's out there in the real world, but I want that McDonald's shirt in the worst possible way. You guys should be selling them at McDonald's. I'm going to send you a photo later. So actually, this is a good story. So when we launched the identity last year, um, they, McDonald's had a conference and they asked us to design a whole bunch of swag from you know, all of those elements that I just mentioned and more from slippers to hats to tote bags and everything, stickers. And they had to hire security because there were so many people, and these are franchisees who are attending their own conference, there were so many people mobbing the store at the convention that they hire, had to hire security and have a rope line, which is hysterical. And so, and now they're actually gonna make, uh, they're, they're gonna make the merchandise and distribute it 
to the greater public. So it's going to be available online at some point, which is really exciting. Another project I'd love to talk about is Amazon. Uh, I remember in my old apartment, there used to be, it's kind of like a little brownstone, and there would always be all these boxes, and so many of them would just be kind of bland and boring. And I remember always seeing that big smile of the Amazon box. I mean, people order from Amazon all the time, but it just stood out to me as like a moment of successful branding. But uh, tell me about Amazon. How did you guys get linked up, and uh, how did you make such an iconic logo? That uh, And I love that Jeff Bezos quote on the website. It's really great. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. So I was in the room when we um, designed that. I was, the, I was an account director at the time. So we were called in by his VP of marketing who had, um, we had worked with her on another tech startup brand. So she called us in and Jeff Bezos himself briefed us. And basically at that time... Oh my God, I'm nervous just hearing that. <laughs> that was, so that was almost 20 years ago. And at that time, he was just moving into selling things other than books. So he, he was just started selling CDs. And I don't know if you, well, you're probably too young to know this, but at the time he bought up CD Warehouse and he was basically buying up brick and mortar and converting them to the Amazon business. And so he brought us in and he said, that he wanted to do a redesign because Amazon.com was written out in a sort of friendly, chunky type with a very nondescript uh, kind of upside down underline underneath it. And it wasn't distinctive. And It was not ownable, as they said. No, exactly. Right. Um, the name was memorable, but yes. nothing about the identity was memorable. And, and he said, he basically said the brief was, was twofold. Number one, customer service is more important at Amazon than anything else. To the point, and he lived this truth, to the point that he would not print two color logo, uh, stationery because he said, what does my customer get from that? Nothing. So he was so focused on putting all of his, the reinvestment of money into customer service and improving every part of that journey. The second thing that was important to him was the fact that he was moving into selling other things other than books and he said, Eventually, I'm going to be selling everything under the sun. And we, of course, all of us in the room were like, yeah, right, this is not going to happen. What, what else could you possibly sell? And we actually asked him, we said, what is the most kind of out there thing that you're going to sell eventually? And he said, furniture. And of course, we were quietly rolling our eyes because we couldn't believe that you could sell furniture online. Because at the time, nobody, right. nobody was doing it, right? So, um, and especially a bookseller, basically, which is what... Amazon was. Yes. So we went away and we came up with concepts and this was a designer's gift. The fact that the word Amazon has the letter A and the letter Z. And so basically we connected it from A to Z, meaning they sell everything from A to Z or A to Z as, as the Brits say. And that cheeky smile gave the brand personality. And it was in the second design presentation where we, we had presented the first stage, three concepts. He loved that particular concept, which was the winning one, and asked us to go back and develop it more and maybe to develop a second one. And I don't, I don't even remember what, that, what the idea was on that one. We went back and at that second design presentation, we showed the smile lifted off from, from the word mark and on the end of the brown box. So that was that early on. We hadn't even, you know, the, the brand hadn't built any equity in that smile. 
but in that first you know, design development presentation, we showed where the brand could go. We said, okay, you're gonna build equity in this, you're gonna connect A to Z, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have this out there for a while, and then pretty soon you're gonna be able to pull that smile off and put it on the end of the box, and everyone will be delighted when their packages arrived. And now, as you were saying, when you get boxes and you see the one with the smile, you know what that is, and it's almost delightful. It's like you, you're getting a gift, but you bought it yourself. Right. Right. It's almost like a smirk. Like in my mind, it's almost as a customer who uses Amazon. It's almost like a smirk. You're like, you can't believe it got there that fast, and it's got that smile on it, and you're like, oh man, that totally works. Yeah, That's a great and identity. and it was just such. It was such the right idea for the brief, and it was simple, and it was really funny because we that second presentation where we went back, we presented to a room of like fifteen people, and he, at the end of the um, presentation. He just kind of said, okay, that's it. And he got up to leave and said, this is great. And the VP of marketing at the time said, wait, aren't we going to research this? And that's when he said, anyone who doesn't like this logo doesn't like puppies. And he just laughed, his really big booming laugh, and he walked out the door. Wow. That, that is the coolest thing ever on this podcast is now over. That There will <laughs> never be a cooler story than that. That is amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, it, it was great. great. And the fact that it hasn't, changed all these years is just a testament to why you know simple design the right idea at the right time can live forever yeah exactly yeah i think that you guys also struck that really well with uh coca-cola too i know i kind of grew up in the 90s and watch all of these kind of coca-cola was always huge but always had these kind of like wonky evolutions and very like 90s yes. bubbles stripes yes. and yellows and white uh it kind of got uh, refined down to like just the red and the white with the shape of the bottle, which was great. And then you guys went and you put, and it's my favorite thing ever, when the Coca-Cola and you skewed it so that it wraps around the bottle. I just love that so much. And again, I feel like for you guys, the secret sauce is a, a really great idea, a well-executed, thoughtful idea like Amazon A to Z. But I feel like Turner Duckworth makes better mock-ups and more exciting happy mock-ups than like any other eight. I feel like you guys pay a lot of attention to that. And the reason you're probably getting that feeling is because you're seeing the delight that we have in doing the work. You're feeling it. Yes. You know, coming up with witty ideas that connect to the brand. So it's not like we can reuse ideas or, you know, apply the same formula to every brand. It's really understanding what is the essence? What are those messy, ugly bits? How do we distill it down? So, so going back to Coca-Cola, what we did in the early 2000s was we looked at the mess of, you know, they were kind of pushing the idea of refreshment by adding more bubbles printed on the can, as if someone really needs to be told what refreshment means, right? It's right. just an ice cold Coca-Cola. So, so we stripped all that away and really refined the Spencerian script, which is what you're talking about that wraps around the dynamic ribbon, and we brought it to life. And we made one of the least popular jobs, which is promotional can design. So for example, summer, holiday, and Olympics, we made that the prize project. Because we said, let's celebrate the relationship with Olympics. Let's celebrate the relationship with holiday and, and, and snow. And how do we do that but find that place where the brand meets the idea of snow, you know? So, so those things kind of, 
bring the bring the work to life, bring the brands to life in ways that I think are delightful. And to this day, when you see that work, it brings a smile to your face, you know, because you think, oh, that's just so, that's just so smart, and that's just so neat that someone thought of that. Meet the Creative seeks to bridge the gap between entry level creatives and the industry's best, like yourself, CEO of Turner Duckworth. I mean, come on, people, I'm throwing heat here. <laughs> I'd like to have you know a few questions for creatives just starting out. And today I'm thinking about myself when I was in school and kind of just discovering my love for branding and identity. And I had all these kind of misconceptions. And for someone that wants to set a long-term goal to work, they're in college right now, they have a lot ahead of them. What are the most important skill sets to focus on? What are you guys looking for when you hire? Uh, and then we'll go from there. So, I mean, at minimum, we look for designers who have a four-year college degree in graphic design. Um, and that can span a range of design disciplines, right? Um, and I, I encourage people to get internships during college. So every summer, try to get, it might at first be unpaid, but then try to get paid internships every summer in between each year. And then at graduation, you might also get a graduate paid internship. And it's, you know, don't spend your time doing freelance projects, designing restaurant menus for your, for your best friend. Spend time getting applicable experience at an agency because that on-the-job training is invaluable. And so when we see that a designer has a degree at you know, a good design um, college, um, has maybe two or three internships um, at agencies that we've heard of, or maybe even agencies that we don't, that's fine. But the key thing that we look for in a portfolio are great ideas, well executed, with a touch of wit. So that's kind of what we look for. And you might ask, well, what's a great idea? Isn't that kind of subjective? You know a great idea when you see it. It's simple and you know exactly what it's trying to communicate. And ideally it's doing it in a way that there's a level of wit that makes you smile. Just like you said, when you look at our work, it makes you right. happy. <laughs> yeah, So that's, that's what we look for in portfolios. And, yeah. and we, we don't have to see a portfolio full of that because we know that at your XYZ internship, you probably didn't have uh, opportunities to do the most groundbreaking, revolutionary, great idea design work because you were stuck working on a back of pack for you know, a cookie brand or something. So we know that. Some, some ad lab PSD with like 37 exactly. files. So, and, so yeah. we know that that's not realistic, especially in younger designer portfolios. But if we see one to two great ideas, that can do it. Right. Exactly. That that's gets so us true. noticed. And then the other thing I would recommend is that um, people should, in this day and age, really try to show up in person. And that's hard if you're applying for jobs and you're not in the same city because it's expensive to travel, obviously especially to the Bay Area and New York or London, but we really like these in-person meetings and portfolio reviews. If you can get an interview, the, the biggest advice I have is be unforgettable. And I'm gonna give you an example. So we have a designer here who's been working with us for over 10 years. His name is Tanawat P. Sanuwangse. He is from Thailand. And when he first interviewed, it was 1990. 1999 maybe and the interview itself maybe wasn't the most memorable part because his portfolio was really lovely and he's a lovely person 
What was really, really memorable was that when David and I walked to the studio the next day, across the road, Tanawat, in the middle of the night, had flypapered the construction site that was across from our studio with enormous posters that were getting a, that was getting our attention and asking us to hire him in the most witty, charming way. And I walked into the studio and, and David was there and he's like, did you see those posters outside? And I'm like, yeah, I think that was Tanawat. And, but it wasn't like hit you over the head. It didn't have his name on it. It didn't have our name on it. It just had the message of hire me. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just, it was so delightful and it made us smile and it was so surprising and it made him unforgettable. And we hired him. <laughs> wow, I love that. I found in my journey that I, at first, I kind of just focused primarily on my skill set, but then I realized too that a lot of it is about kind of, you know, the energy and the intent that you put forward. You know, do you believe in yourself? Are you somebody who, you know, makes the room a better place? When you guys hire, what are you looking for? How much of it is about, you know, the skill set? And then how much of it is about just in a person's kind of natural enthusiasm towards, you know, what you're working on? We can see intent and enthusiasm and ideas regardless of how perfectly finished and produced the portfolio is. So, exactly. you know, we tell, these days people are sending digital portfolios or, you know, links. But, you know, I've been in this business for 22 years and I've seen a lot of fancy books that come in boxes and there's their production value. I just think, how the hell did this designer afford this? They're 22 years old, you know? I mean, we can't even afford to make a comp like this, and they're doing it. That's so true. But that's, that's not why the design agencies will hire. You know, we're not hiring you for your comping skills. We're hiring people because of the ideas that we see. And it can be in a PDF. It can be in a GIF emailed to us. As long as it's a, an intelligent, smart, witty idea, it'll get our attention. We actually hire a lot of our interns. So we have an internship program that's three months at a time. The interns who make it through the first three months and have shown some promise, we'll give them another internship, usually a second three months. And then those who have managed to participate, and we give them all, you know, they're not just, you know, doing, they're not cleaning up the studio. They're, they're, they're actually working on real projects. And so the ones that get something into a design presentation, generally, will if we have the room, we'll give them an offer. So we hire a lot of, designers from our internship program and we grow designers up through the you know their career path and you know there's no ceiling here we have several i love that we have two of our ecd our executive creative directors started at turner duckworth as interns that's amazing yeah and so you know we we, we see promise this is a meritocracy and if a person works hard and they have great ideas it will always be rewarded. Exactly. That's so true. Yeah, I, I, I was going to comment on your kind of putting yourself out there and, and doing this podcast and having the guts to ask people to talk to you. I applaud that. I think that Thank you so much. That is something that takes courage and the fact that you're having smart conversations and you're asking you're coming from a place of humility and you're also trying to help your fellow young designers, your you know, creatives out there understand how they can get a leg up in this world. I, I really think that's great, Rob. And I think you're, you're, you're providing a great service to, to young designers because they can't get everything from university or everything from their internship programs. Because right. face it, some internship, internships are really not great. Exactly. <laughs>
I think one of the things I've learned over the years is that courage and the willingness to be uncomfortable are two traits that can really take you places. And that might seem strange coming from a person who's been at the same place for 22 years, but please know that I also had a career in the arts before this career. Um, and I had a master's in art history and I had this whole other career at life in New York that I left. And during my 22 years at Turner Duckworth, I've taken a lot of risks and I have been courageous and I've gotten uncomfortable. And that's when I typically made the best decisions and the best leaps in my career. Right. And so, so what I would say to people is um, do what Rob is doing right now, which is get uncomfortable because that is generally where the best things happen. How important would you say it is to seek out mentors in your creative journey? And you know, have you had people along the way that have influenced you? The best gift that any, any employee can have is a great mentor. So if you can find someone, and I had that in David Turner, co-founder of Turner Duckworth, where he was my mentor for 20 years and he was a very, very generous manager in the sense that he was also very trusting. So he would let me reach and try to, right. for example, when I first started out, I didn't know how to talk about design. I learned it from him and I learned it from our clients. And then I would take these steps, sometimes baby steps, but then sometimes I would take a leap and I would open a presentation to 3Com or something major like that. And sometimes I would stumble, but he would be there to pick up pieces, he would jump in when I was faltering, but do it generously and kindly, not throw me under the bus, you know, and, and acknowledge that making mistakes is okay and nobody's perfect. We all get nervous. And the more he did that, the more confident I got. And eventually I totally knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, I, I, I figured it out. Right. Um, but having a generous mentor, I think, is something that is the best thing for anybody's career. And that's what I try to be to, to, to our staff, is someone who is generous with her time, with advice, but not just with kind of wisdom, but really more in giving people opportunities to step up. Because there are some managers who, they just wanna keep people down. And I always say that the best managers elevate the people below them. Um, because because those are the people who kind of they want to see you succeed they're happy when someone else does a great job and they can they don't have to take credit you know they can say this person did a great job for Turner Duckworth and spoke for Turner Duckworth and that's that that really gets me excited I'm so happy that we're at a we're at a place with a culture that supports creativity from anyone from any corner sometimes an account person comes up with a great name and that ends up being the winning name. Sometimes an intern comes up with the winning idea and that person gets credited in the design competition. You know, we, we, we'll even put, you know, temporary interns names and uh, in the design competition entries. So that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. You're a great mentor to me today. This has been incredible. Oh, I would say you. this is top five Arguably the best podcast. Oh, ever. you're so sweet. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. No it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch with you? 
Um, do you have anything coming up? This is shameless self-promotion time. Uh, we're at turnitupwith.com. We have, and from our website, you can link to Instagram and, you know, all social platforms. Yeah, and we have um, another article is coming out um, in one of the major trade publications soon. So I'll put it on LinkedIn once it comes out. Um, but we've got a lot going on. We have, um, we have a book that we uh, printed. Uh, yeah. I should send it to you. You should let me know what your snail mail address is. You can have an actual printed book, and it oh, smells wow. so good because it smells like ink. Um, so we've got that going on, and we're going to be showing up at conferences and talks in uh, Q4. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, let me know, you know, when your events are and where, um, and we can set something up. Awesome. Thank you so much.